Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Before we start, this talk show is presented by Big Water Cabins. Big Water Cabins are located in Pillager, Minnesota, located just southeast of Brainerd, about 14 miles. No matter the season, the location of this home will always provide entertainment. Close to Brainerd, Nisswa, Gull Lake, Maddens, Craggins, Cuyuna State Park, Mount Skigull, Brainerd International Racetrack, and much, much more. The property lets you take advantage of many activities in the area, including fishing, skiing, biking, hiking, shopping, golfing, snowmobiling, and once again, much, much more. There are five total cabins sitting on four and a half acres. Only two are open until May. That means just two of the cabins being open in the wintertime. The main cabin can easily sleep 10. Cabin number two is one bedroom, queen, one bath, and has a full kitchen and living room. The saloon will be open for, the, for use during the winter months. In the saloon, there is a bar equipped with a mini fridge, pizza oven, dartboard, poker table, other games, and a smart TV. During summer months, all of the cabins are open and the property can sleep up to 20. High-speed internet, Wi-Fi, or high-speed Wi-Fi, sorry, sauna, smart TVs, dartboard, poker table, gas grill, and washer and dryer all available. The property offers privacy and fun. There's so much to do and we love hosting all groups. Whether you're looking for a family reunion, friends getaway trip, team retreat, or work party, all are welcome at Big Water Cabins. Visit airbnb.com backslash h backslash big water cabins for winter bookings and for summer, spring, fall bookings, visit airbnb.com backslash h backslash big water getaway. Let's get into the show. Perfect. Welcome back, everybody, to episode, I think this is nine of the Bauer Hour. I'm here with my wife, Amy Dahl. Yeah, yeah. Come say hello. Hi. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so wriggly. Hi. And Amy is actually going to give me a haircut right now. Sure am. Which she's really excited about. I'm kind of excited about as well. I, but I don't know. I, I for those of you who have been following my um my Twitter rant about this, sorry, but this is how it ends. Every good story has an ending. I didn't promise a good ending. Um but this is it. That's how it works. The Masters was on this weekend. I watched a little bit of that. What did watch that today? I didn't really watch it today being Sunday. Didn't really watch it on Saturday, Friday, or I watched a little bit on Thursday, maybe. But yeah, Scotty Scheffler looked looked good, I guess. Rory was on fire, shot like an eight under or something today, which is really good for those of you who don't know golf. Yeah, well, this episode is a banked episode that I've had for. Probably three, four weeks now. I recorded with uh, Will Marzolf. Will Marzolf is... Uh, I kind of explain our relationship in the episode. Amy's telling me to hurry it up. <laughs> she's getting she, to the point. <laughs> of the episode. But yeah, Will's a super freaking smart kid. Like, unbelievably smart. And uh, he started... A software tech type company called Graphco Analytics. He talks about his entrepreneurial journey, why he got out of corporate America, and a bunch of cool, and why he got off social media as well. So he's got a bunch of cool nuggets. I would, uh, he's a guy I definitely listen to when he talks because I know that he has intention when he talks and he's a super intelligent kid. Um, so, oh, twins. We should probably do a twins update. Twins are one and two. They um, they won their first game Sunday today. Lost the first two, but we're showing 
good signs, I think. First game we lost two to one. Second game was like what three to four or something like that. I guess I don't even know. And then yeah, we finished off. Amy's telling me once again to hurry it up. Now we're going on three minutes of Mitch's monologue, so <laughs> it's all good. It's all good content. Um, but yeah, Twins one and two. Let's go. They look good. Um, get out to the ballpark with your friends. Let's go, Twins. Let's have some Minnesota spirit. Let's get into the episode. Peace. Q. Rue Severine. Welcome back to another episode of The Bauer Hour. New title, new name for the podcast, radio show, whatever you want to call it. Um, today I'm sitting here with entrepreneur William Joseph Marzoff III. Will and I grew up together going to Maple Grove Senior High, became friends kind of playing hockey, and we've stayed in touch, stayed friends ever since. Spent a lot of time together in high school and college. Post-college, Will moved off for a little bit. And uh, now he's back in Minnesota, running his own business. Um, yeah, so welcome. Thanks, Mitch. It's good to be here with you. I've uh, never been so nervous talking to you before, but, uh, you know, it's good to be here and good to, you know, be joining your new uh, venture here. And I've kind of been off social media here for a while, so just letting people know I still exist out here and uh, glad to kind of catch up with uh, you and everyone else. So before we get into things, I want to ask you about the Twins and the MLB lockout and what you, uh, you know anything about this? You know what's going on? Um, You know, I don't know too much about the lockout situation. I, you know, we went to a lot of, um, you know, games last year, home games. I was back with, uh, you know, my fiance and she loves baseball too. And, um, you know, so we were at a bunch of games last year, but, um, you know, I don't know. I'm not too worried about it from what I've heard. It's should be over pretty briefly and, you know, they probably will get things up and running so that they can all, you know, continue making money and, you know, put the product on the field, I would think. So, um, you know, hoping for the best, but I think it'll all work itself out. You think the uh, Twins are going to be any good this year? Uh, I hope so. You know, I I think it's all about their pitching staff. Um, You know, I think we've had a good lineup here for the past few years. Um, You know, hopefully Buxton can stay healthy. Probably not, but hopefully. Um, And, you know, I think we've got a lot of good pieces in the lineup, a lot of power hitters and got Royce Lewis coming at shortstop potentially this year. But I think it's just all about you know, our pitching staff really. And I, I don't see a whole lot of progress there. Um, you know, we got Joe Ryan, uh, he's a promising starting pitcher coming up. But, um, other than that, I think that's kind of where we got to build to really get a championship team together. So how old is Royce Lewis? Is he like 20, 21? Uh, he's like, I want to say like mid twenties, something like that. He was, he, I think he had like an ankle injury or some type of foot injury that he was out all last year. But, um, you know, he was the number one overall pick, I don't know, seven years ago, something like that. So That's pretty good. Yeah. We got to get those number one overall picks into the MLB. Yeah. We need them to got start to. contributing. Got to. Yeah, that's for sure. We so. need some excitement in Minnesota. We do. We need, we need, a, we need a championship. I don't know. I've been watching actually a lot of the wild lately. They're a ton of fun to watch um, with, you know, Kaprizov and um, Zuccarello. Those two, the chemistry that they have is pretty unbelievable on the ice. And then we've got our, uh, I think they're our second line of Eck, Greenway, and um, who's it, Felino. And, you know, at the all-star break, they hadn't let up an even strength goal the entire season. I mean, it's just, that's unbelievable. If you think about that, 50 games and they haven't let up one even strength goal at that point. It's just 
pretty pretty dominating defensive line there. So that's insane. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So you think the Wild got a shot? I mean, I think they do. I mean, there's a ton of good teams. The Avs are unbelievable, um, and they just picked up a guy. I forget who a big forward, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I think the Avs are the team to beat. You've always got the, the um, Knights. Um, the Panthers are really good. We just played them. But, I mean, we've got a shot. We've got, yeah, I mean, Kaprizov's got to be our best player we've ever had in franchise history and just a lot of fun to watch. So Definitely, since Marion Gabrick, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Most yeah. exciting player out there. Yeah, for sure. So... And he's a young buck. Wait, he's 20, 21, 22 or something? Uh, he, he's like 25, too. He oh, played is he? In, he played in Russia for a while. So, oh, okay. Yeah. He's, yeah, that Russian league ain't no joke. Yeah. No, he came over. So, yeah. So, we're talking about a little bit of sports. What about your, uh, what about your venture? What are you up to right now? Yeah, so, I mean, my I was working in finance and uh, reinsurance for a while that was what caused me to move to Florida and um, you know I think kind of like a lot of people just got to a point where um, you know I wasn't really fulfilled by what I was doing and I didn't really see that changing Um, you know I saw a lot of um, a lot of opportunity for just advancing the industry I mean it's kind of a even when you know the average person just thinks about it's kind of a little bit of a stale old industry and there's a lot of opportunity for kind of people with new ideas and willing willing to build um you know tech into the industry which is nothing that I really was capable of doing but um something that I just interest me interested me and um you know so I pretty much walked out of my job uh I went to Barnes and Noble um and I picked up a book called um web applications for dummies um, and opened it up, went to the first chapter and started reading. And, uh, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it, but I just knew that, you know, when you pull out your phone out of your pocket, um, you know, that's a pretty powerful device that you're looking at there. And it's kind of dominates everything across industries and, you know, what people do in their free time. And I just wanted to learn about how that actually works, how the internet works and, um, you know, and then I just, you know, when I actually thought about doing something seriously, I just thought, you know, I've got to kind of apply what I know and try to solve problems that I know exist and that I've experienced myself. And um, so that's when I started Graphico, um, which is a software product that kind of helps you design and visualize, um, you know, reinsurance programs. I've done insurance programs and really the the core concept behind it is just, you know, people don't understand what insurance is or what reinsurance, any of that. It's all kind of abstract concepts um, that people are being sold. I mean, if you think about when you buy insurance, when you're flipping through your policy, I mean, you have no idea. Do I want a high deductible, low deductible? I mean, who knows? You know, it's just a word and it doesn't really mean much. So what I've, um, am seeking to do with these graphs is to put something tangible behind that, something that you can look at, compare coverages visually and say, you know, oh, I, I think I might want to pay a little bit more to get better coverage because I can actually see what I'm buying and see the difference between that. Um, and so, you know, that's just what I've been seeking to build. Um, you know, I've had a lot of fun doing it personally, just because, um, you know, anytime you're an entrepreneur, you can make decisions for yourself and, you know, a lot of times those decisions fail. A lot of times they're bad decisions um, and you make mistakes, but then you can, you know, quickly correct that or change course. Um, and so just having that freedom to kind of learn and try things and, um, you know, build things is, you know, something that I've really enjoyed doing and, um, you know, will never, never regret about uh, making that decision to kind of branch out on my own. So, yeah, so kind of going back to the beginning there when you talk about you kind of walked out on your job. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. You yeah. were working at yeah. the company for, I don't know, three, four, five years. Uh, yeah. Like three years. Yeah. And, and you moved down to Florida. Moved to down to Florida. Forum. Um, yep. And I mean, I, I, 
I find, you know, finance is interesting um, and, you know, the field is interesting, but the, and learning about the concepts behind it are very interesting. But, you know, I guess in my job, I never really saw, you know, and it wasn't like it was part of my job. I could do that. It was like absolutely none of my job involved any, any of that, you know, learning about the concepts underpinning it or using those concepts. It was all just, you know, Excel spreadsheet after Excel spreadsheet and, do this and you're, you're kind of really, really seen as just a cog in the wheel. You're not supposed to really come up with new ideas. Um, and, and kind of the general attitude is, well, maybe when you're seven years in or, or whatever that you can kind of contribute to, uh, you know, sort of thinking and, and developing strategies behind, um, you know, what, what's getting purchased or decisions that are being made. And, you know, I just found that really, um, you know, demoralizing. And I just thought, you know, I would, I guess my, my end thought was, you know, I don't want to be that per, I don't want to work to become that person in 10 years. That's telling that to somebody in my shoes like that. That doesn't seem like a, something that I would ever want to be. So, so then it's just, you know, what are, what are you really working towards? Cause I don't want to do what I'm doing now. I don't want to advance to that role that they would, you know, advance me to. So it just becomes kind of, became kind of pointless to me at that point. And I just knew that, you know, money aside, and obviously money's important to everyone, but, um, you know, I had to do something that, where I could kind of fulfill myself in a different way and where I could, you know, be creative, test my ideas. And obviously, you know, I'm still working in insurance and that's a pretty tangible and uh, I guess down to earth sort of industry, but I'm able to kind of be creative about um, how I'm looking to break into that in industry on my own and kind of just change that. And hopefully one day I'll be able to, you know, hire people that where I can kind of shape the direction of the team to where I'm, you know, asking the new person for ideas, because I just, I know that there's people that are our age that see the world so much differently, you know, because of technology and, you know, people understand uh, we understand technology better than people that are, have been in any industry for 20 years just because of how we grew up. And so it, it makes sense to me that we would be able to, to build it better than people, you know, regardless of their experience, because we know what to expect uh, from technology. We, we know uh, sort of what we're looking for. And, and I think we just also have another different attitude about how we work together as a team, um, you know, that it's, we want to be able to use our creativity right away and, and have our ideas count right away. Um, whereas sort of the old mentality is, oh, I just want to wait, you know, seven years or just wait your turn. And then, you know, maybe we'll care about what you think or, or maybe then you'll have the experience that's needed when it's like, really, that's kind of underutilizing what we're good at as young people anyway, which is understanding technology and, and understanding, um, you know, kind of where the industry is going, you know, I think we can kind of fill in the gaps mentally with what we want to exist because we're, you know, you come into a industry and you've had a job for, you know, uh, or sorry, you've gone to school for four years and learned about all these interesting concepts. And then you realize your job is, you know, dragging around PowerPoint boxes on a slide, you know, over and over and over and over again and doing these processes that could easily be automated. Um, and, and you're just like, you know, this is not only is this, you know, incredibly boring, but it's just underutilizing our, you know, training, our assets, what we're capable of as people. And it's really, it's bad from a business perspective too, that companies don't use what people can contribute and really expect people to bring ideas to the table and contribute. So, I mean, I, hopefully someday, um, I'll be able to kind of have a team that does that, that, that just, you know, expects people to bring their creative ideas and, and build new things. So yeah, that's, that's, you know, what I'm seeking to do. So, so was there like a, was there like a breaking point? Obviously you felt like you were underutilized at your company and that you had these ideas that you thought were valuable to the company and they, I mean, you obviously just didn't have the tenure to really you know, have any push or pull and yeah. was there like a breaking point? Was there anything that like set you off or you were just like, all right, this is it. I'm done. I yeah. know what I want to do. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that you kind of feel is, you know, anyone that just starts in a job, you know, everyone wants to be successful. They want to be, you know, be the winner and, you know, go all in and, and kind of do the best that they can. And so that's kind of the first step in the cycle. And then you realize that, you know, you don't really control kind of what you're able to do within a, within a large company. You don't really control your own destiny. And that gets very frustrating because you can't implement your ideas. You know, your power is pretty much zero. And, and then, you know, so you get, you go from being very excited to being kind of really frustrated and demoralized. And then, um, you know, at a certain point, you just, you just kind of come to a realization, like there's, there's nothing that I can do that's going to change the way that, you know, your boss is, is, is using you or, or, or treating you or, or whatever that's going to really make you any more successful. Because if you feel like you've done everything you can and you're still not, um, you know, you're not advancing and you're not able to really contribute your ideas, then, I mean, you just kind of come to a point where you're like, there's nothing else I can do. I've kind of exhausted everything. And, um, you know, it's just time to make a change, just time to seek out a different path, you know, whatever that might mean. So. So did you, did you just call up your boss and say, I'm done? Did you walk into their office? You just, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I, I, well, did you throw a fit. Did you, I, <laughs> I mean, I didn't throw a fit. Um, I, I came in and, um, you know, I, I just had a pretty, I guess, frank conversation with my boss about, you know, what I was feeling. I, I had had conversations with him before, um, and just tried to, um, you know, let him know that, you know, I just, I, I don't, I'm not advancing fast enough. I don't have the ability to make decisions. I don't have any power and I don't really see that changing. Um, and so at the end I just, you know, I said, you know, I've, I've had this conversation, nothing's changed. I don't believe that it's going to change. And so, yeah, I'm putting in my two weeks and, you know, he said, of course, you know, you're making a big mistake. And he said that to me and I was like, there's, you know, there's no way that I'm making a big mistake because, there's no, there's no future for me here. So it's, you gotta just pursue something, anything that's gonna, um, you know, give, give you what you think you need, whether that's money or, or really for me, it was just having the freedom to, to make and kind of live and die by my own decisions. Um, and learn, you know, because kind of, we all have a tendency to think, oh yeah, you know, I, I've got the answers or I, you know, I can, I can solve things and, and, really when you're an entrepreneur and when you just step out, you can put that to the test and see, you know, a lot of my ideas are not good. And, you know, I'm not as good as what maybe I thought I was. Um, and that, you know, there's a lot of room for, for me to grow. And that's, you know, that's kind of a gift in a way too, because you, you learn about what you need to, to change. And, you know, you, I, in my opinion, you'll only get that when you kind of branch out on your own and, and kind of take that freedom into your own hands, um, to really find out kind of where your strengths and weaknesses lie and, 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 and how you can improve personally too. So I've seen that benefit, but yeah, I, I just, you know, put in my two weeks, it wasn't a big fit or anything like that. Um, you know, I waited until the busy season was done because I didn't want to, didn't want to quit on the team in the middle of the, of, of, when things were busy for our clients. So I try to be respectful in that way, but then, you know, said, see you later, walked out and, you know, stayed down in Florida. Then after that, um, because I still had a lease. And like I said, uh, the day after I quit, went to Barnes and Noble and cracked open a book and started reading. And, you know, I, I've loved learning about coding, um, too and and it's just cool to me to be able to build stuff and and create stuff and have an idea and then um you know being able to build that and then put it out to uh across the world i think is a pretty cool thing um and something that uh is kind of a way a really easy way for people because i mean anyone can create a website to put your ideas out there for the world and you know see how good they are because they might be not good at all you know but just having the power to test what you're doing and, and see, um, let the, let the kind of world show you what you need to improve on or, or how good your ideas are. So. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, it takes a lot of balls to do what you did. I don't think, uh, 
I'm sure there's a lot of people maybe listening right now that are at their job, maybe thinking kind of the same thing. Maybe they have these ideas that they want to, you know, pursue, but they're kind of, they kind of feel like they're stuck. What kind of, what kind of advice do you have for those people? Yeah. I mean, I would even say, you know, when I was, when I quit, I was like 24, I think, yeah, 20, 25. And you know, obviously everyone's position is different. People have mortgages, they're, they're already married, which I wasn't at that time. And, you know, people, I'm not suggesting that everyone should just go out there and quit their job. But I, I would say if someone's in a position that they're feeling like kind of stuck and that are there to dead end and they don't see any growth personally or professionally available to them. Um, I mean, I would just say start small. First of all, it's kind of just back off from being, cause and I, I too, you kind of have a tendency to be really emotionally wrapped up in it and, and say, you know, these people and, and, you know, uh, kind of getting frustrated with the people around you and your own boss. But I would just say, if you can take that frustration and kind of turn it down to a level four and kind of disconnect from it emotionally while you're maybe still working there and then just start small on kind of taking your time back, um, from the company that you're working for. Cause that's another thing is, you know, these big companies you work for and they kind of think that they own you and that they've got a, you know, they give you a corporate cell phone and they think that they've got unlimited uh, kind of take on your time and because they're emailing you and they're managing you and just kind of pushing back on that and um, kind of taking taking back your time in that way and just starting small with something that that you can do to you know, test your ideas, like I said, or just do something entrepreneurial on the side and, and see where it goes from there. But just kind of trying to disconnect from it emotionally and, and saying, you know, if you're putting everything you have into something like a corporate job and you're not getting the results that you think you deserve or that, you know, are fulfilling to you, then just trying to, to kind of taking back your time, I would say is the, in any small way that you can is kind of the best thing that I would give myself advice um, to someone in that position. So, Is there any part of you that wish you would have started what you started earlier or do you feel like the timing was just kind of correct? Because it, it sounds like you, you, you quit your job, next day you went, got web applications for dummy. <laughs> yeah. Like it sounds like it was just kind of one day you'd, you quit and then you were going to start figuring out what you wanted to do the next or was there like, did you have something? Well, yeah. I mean, kind I, of I don't know. Or? I just, I just, I guess it came from, you know, my, you'll, you'll interact with people kind of in a corporate setting where, you know, people that have absolutely no idea about anything about technology, they don't even know how to, you know, make a PDF file from a whatever, you know? So, and, and those people that are like, you know, managing directors or whatever, and, and they talk about APIs and they throw around the language, but they don't really understand at all what that even means, you know? So I, I just wanted to understand actually how the internet worked and how applications worked. And I mean, I'm far from the first person to, you know, have that desire. Um, and, um, but I just think that so much today and yes, and 10 years ago and even more into the future is, is dictated by technology. And I mean, there's good things about that. There's bad things about that. But, um, when you really understand how it works on a deep level, I, I mean, or a more technical level, I should say, um, I just think that that was something that interested me right away. And, um, and I also know it's kind of one of the best skills that you can have to be an entrepreneur is, yeah, you know, learning some level of coding. I mean, there's tons of, of resources out there to create your own website that you don't need to code. You can create no code applications and things like that. But, uh, one of the best things you can do is to learn, um, you know, it skills, tech skills, learn how to kind of build your own, whether it be an online store or website application, any of that. So. Um, I, I always had the idea of being an entrepreneur and, and I just saw that as one of the most interesting and best kind of avenues to doing that, um, right after I quit. And then, you know, after that, I just, you know, started to have some ideas around, you know, the visualization of insurance structures. And I just realized, you know, in some of those transactions, there's hundreds of millions of dollars moving around and people don't really understand in a very good way how those work. And then, you know, you can extend that down to the average person. You know, everyone's buying insurance on their phone. 
And, you know, people don't really know what it is that they're buying. They're just, they're buying it, you know, because they have to have it. They're buying it because it's protection, which is, you know, like an abstract concept. And it's true, but I mean, just giving people a picture and letting them look at it and saying, oh, these are the coverages that I'm buying. Um, I just, it seems to me like that's kind of a no brainer to just help everyone kind of understand the product at hand. So, yeah, I mean, that seems so obvious, right? Yeah. To be able to show someone what kind of coverages they're getting in insurance. And I, I mean, I'm a guy, I don't know a whole lot about insurance, so yeah. you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. You know, you just get the coverage and then you trust that your insurance agent or whoever you got the insurance from is telling you the right things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, you know, it's, it's just being able to visually look at and compare the product that you're buying, you know? So that's, I, it seemed like a good idea to me and it seemed like a good thing that to build that, you know, would be around. And, you know, I just think of, you know, if you pull up in your, whatever insurance company you have app, could you see a little button there that says view coverages? And I, I thought, yes, I could, you know, so why wouldn't that exist? And, um, so that's, you know, what I sought to build. So, so kind of switching subjects and kind of going back to something that you said earlier, um, being that you're completely off social media and that you, <laughs> yeah. you deleted all your accounts, right? Mm-hmm. And you completely signed out of everything. <laughs> what, yeah. um, what was kind of the thinking behind that? I mean, you're running kind of a technology company. Yeah. Social media's obviously got a big footprint in technology. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I mean, I don't like the fact about social media that it's you can create kind of an alternate version of yourself, and like people's understanding of you is is something that you've kind of created. You know, it's not, it's how you're creating an identity that's maybe different than what you are in real life. And you think about little kids doing that from when they're young, you know, having sort of like an alternate identity. I just, it's something that it just doesn't seem like a good thing necessarily. Um, and it seems like, you know, I can say now that I'm off social media, it's like all, if I see somebody, um, you know, that I don't, I don't have some type of preconceived idea of what they've been up to or, you know, based on what they post or, um, you know, anything like that. So it's like, you know, what are you up to? It's a pretty easy question that you can ask because you don't know, you know, you, you just, you don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's just good to, I, I think it's kind of refreshing in a way. Um, and I, I think there's kind of always a limited uh, filter of what people put on social media anyway, um, you know, that they would never, they're not really like that when they interact in real life, or it's not something that you would say. So I mean, I just, I don't know, I, I prefer to not be on it. And Obviously, there's another, there's the whole time aspect of it too. You know, it's pretty addicting to just sit there and flip through that. And, you know, I don't know. It's just like when you, when you, then you see someone and it's like you're kind of basing what you know about that person based on the little square pictures that they put up, you know, on your, on their phone, you know, and it's just, I don't know. I, I just said, you know, I don't really need this. It's not like, you know, it's not something that if you don't have it, you're going to, I don't miss it at all, you know, um, but uh, it just seemed like it, the it that bad outweighed the benefit really that I was getting from it. So, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn though, so you can connect with me anytime. <laughs> you can uh, check out my my life on there. So yeah, but no, I I mean, I uh, I don't regret it. I I like it uh, that I'm off it, and um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean. Not to compare myself to someone that's on Netflix, but if you've seen that, um, if you've seen that documentary, the what is it, the Social Experiment or the, the Social Network or yeah, something like that. Yeah, where it's you know the people that developed like the like button at Facebook are the are they don't let any of their kids near social media. Not even they don't let them watch TV. They don't want them to, any of that. You know, you I've got a, a cousin. Um, you know, whose wife is a software developer and, and they're, they're totally against it too, because it's like, you just realize, you know, any, anything that you go onto on Facebook or, you know, anything like, you know, there's a lot of hype around, oh, algorithms and they always solve problems. And that's not necessarily true. They do whatever they're 
programmed to do. So it's like they can, they're, they're, if they're programmed to make you click the like button a million times or never put your phone down, then that's what they do. But it's not necessarily, they're not necessarily solving anything. They're just, they're just causing an output. They're just, they're just creating whatever it is behavior that they want to drive. So it's like, I don't know. It's like when, when those people are freaked out about the impact that it has on, on people, then, I mean, that kind of tells you really all you need to know, you know, about whether or not the good outweighs the bad with, with how it impacts people and society. So. Yeah. And I think we're, we're kind of seeing like a whole societal shift with all the social media expanding. I mean, with uh, obviously the pandemic, like everyone was on their phone for anywhere from four to 10 hours a day. Yeah. And now you're seeing those addictions come to real life when we're starting to interact with people again. And it's, it's maybe different when we interact with people because everyone knows what you're doing, what you've been up to. So I, I, don't think necessarily everyone needs to go to the extent of deleting all of their social media, but I do think that it's really important for people to take breaks from social media, take weeks, months, days, whatever it is, um, and just have that time like set aside and be stern with yourself and yeah, definitely don't go on it. Definitely. Yeah. Cause then you can run into friends and you don't know what they're doing and you can actually have a conversation with them that yeah. you don't already know the end goal to. Yeah. Or, and you just, you know, I don't know. You, you just, you, it kind of, when social media just, it just kind of informs the way that you kind of think about a person, whether it's good or bad, you know, you might see someone that posts a picture and you're like, Oh, that, that was kind of dumb or that was, you know, whatever, or have some negative context, but that it really doesn't say much of anything at all of how that person's personality is how they are in real life. It just doesn't, you don't get any of that, you know, or, you know, there's a tendency of people to sit around and be negative in someone's, in someone's comments, like, you know, not, not on Instagram or anything, but just on random videos, people are a lot more angry and and vicious than they would ever be in real life. You know, to someone's face, you know, they would never say anything like that. And it's just, um, it's just kind of an, it's like an alternate reality for people, you know, and it's just, I don't know. I kind of think that reality, reality, reality is maybe, maybe a little better, (laughs) maybe a little bit more human, I guess. But yeah, it's probably only going to get worse with um, meta coming out and kind of that virtual reality world that they're building. And I mean, I think there's going to be a bunch of different worlds in there and I don't know know a whole lot about it, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I, if there's enough people that think like me, then hopefully it'll be, you know, there'll be kind of pushback or limits that are set. I mean, we can, we still have control over how we use technology. So it's like, you know, if there's enough people that, that want limits or want restrictions or want to say, this is how technology should work, then, you know, we can obviously build it that way. Um, but it's just kind of having people that understand how it impacts us and being willing to, you know, speak up for that or, or, you know, just, personally take yourself off or set limits like you said on on how you use it so yeah i mean i don't know it's, I, don't, I don't know if it's all necessarily doomsday but i think it's definitely a risk you know like you're saying it's it, there's there's up there's obviously positives and negatives to what technology can do uh for people um so yeah and being an entrepreneur like i feel like a social media presence is huge you know, I think that can be so beneficial for you. So do you, would you see yourself getting back more into like, whatever it is, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, maybe to try and build your business up or build a brand around your business or yeah, anything of that sort? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a powerful tool, but I would just, I would use it and not let it use me, you know? And that's what I try to do with LinkedIn. It's use technology, but don't let it use you because when you're just, posting your life on social media to me, you know, and like everyone says, you are the product. So it's like, I would use it, um, to, like you say, build a following social media is great for, you know, making targeted ad campaigns and things like that to, um, put content in front of specific blocks of, of users and people. 
But um, yeah, I, I don't think I would ever just use it just kind of for my personal life, but I would use it, like you say, in a business setting because um, it makes sense. I mean, a lot of people are on those um, social media and they're putting all sorts of information about who they are and what they're doing. So obviously that's useful information for any business. So, And I feel like a lot of people will want to know who Will Marzoff is, people who are getting into business with you. Yeah. They're going to want to yeah, be able to look you definitely. up and say, what's this guy about? Is he trustworthy? He doesn't have Facebook. What's up with that? That could maybe even be like yeah, a negative for sure. thing yeah. against you. You know, if I, yeah, who, who like who, if you're applying for a job, who's this weird guy with no Facebook? Right. You know? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure. Um, uh, I, I, I could see that, but I mean, again, it's like, I don't know. You, you, that kind of like is a self filter. Like if, if, as soon as you get in front of them and you have a conversation and you explain why, um, I think that would kind of hopefully go away. Or if not, then, I don't know, maybe they're the weird ones, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> that don't understand. But, yeah, um, I mean, it's for sure uh, true. And, like, on LinkedIn, oh, if you don't have a picture, then people can't kind of picture who this person is, you know. Um, and if you don't post videos, you're one of the things that a lot of people do on LinkedIn, especially is they, they'll post pictures of themselves talking so that people get a sense of their personality, you know, because they want to buy from a real person rather than just, um, you know, a product, you know, they want to kind of people put their entrepreneurial story out there. You know, I haven't done a whole lot of that, but I've seen people that use that and effectively use that to kind of build their, their audience and their brand. So, so how do you, how do you build your brand right now? I mean, how do you, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, what I'm doing is, I mean, it's business to business and um, it's kind of a technical product and it's not saying that those same things wouldn't be important as far as making personal connections. But um, I mean, I post a lot. I, I look to grow my network. Um, I mean, one of the cool things about LinkedIn is you're kind of, you're accessing a database of what people do with their lives, like, you know, what their job is. So you can target a certain uh, profession of a certain group of certain people who are in certain jobs and then run, you know, ads and, and put those ads in front of people. So I've done some of that, you know, I've just looked to filter through people that have a certain occupation in a certain area, like Bermuda, for example, is a huge uh, hub for reinsurance. So I can run an ad in like a relatively small geography where I know that there's tons of reinsurance people all over Bermuda um, and then target in on certain uh, job titles, certain levels, like you can target C-level people versus managing director versus entry level and put that in front of them. So I've done, um, you know, put your ad in front of them. So I've done that, but I, I don't know, I haven't done too much of the whole, you know, telling my personal story on LinkedIn. Um, or my kind of entrepreneurial journey, but um, but more so just putting putting my products out there and looking to grow my network with people in who would find it useful. So it's crazy. You've been doing this for what three years now, almost. Yeah, a little. Let's see. It would have been July of twenty nineteen. Um, so just under three so years. Just just under three years. Yep. What's been the hardest part? Um. You know, I, I, the hardest part I would say is just, you know, you're giving up that steady paycheck. Um, and so, you know, I've seen people, you know, buy, buying houses and, and kind of progressing in ways that, you know, I haven't been able to yet. But, and so that's kind of, you always have that in the back of your mind. But I mean, I just think about, you know, I guess sort of the long-term strategy and really just what's more fulfilling to me. And, um, you know, regardless of, whether this particular venture is successful or not, um, just, you know, I think I've found fulfillment in being an entrepreneur and I think it's something that makes, you know, life more worthwhile to me. Um, and so it's just kind of a trade off, you know, between when you're able to actually finally achieve that success that allows you to, you know, get the house and, and be more stable, um, versus, um, kind of that more focus on, I guess, personal growth and learning from your mistakes as you go as an entrepreneur. So, so you think if say graphical analytics 
ended up not working out, you would try and find a new venture. Absolutely. Yep. Entrepreneur by yourself, whatever that may be. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and, um, you know, no matter what, just having that entrepreneurial mindset of, you know, being willing to try things, um, getting the skills that you need to, to, to put things out on your own. Um, and then just, you know, taking it a little by little and seeing what feedback you get from your customers. Um, and, and, and really just having that mindset of being willing to try things on your own and build things on your own, um, rather than kind of where I was at, which is expecting something that just isn't going to happen a lot of times where, um, you know, you're always going to probably, if you're in a corporate job, expect things to happen faster than they will, you know, and that's kind of what you have to accept is you're just, you know, you're kind of on somebody else's clock rather than your own. Um, and obviously it's, nothing's perfect about being an entrepreneur. Nothing's easy. Um, it's never overnight. Um, but it's, it's definitely, you know, I've, I've worked easily more hours even than I was, um, you know, in my, when I was working for a corporation, but it's not, it's more, much more fulfilling to me because I'm working on things on a project basis where it's, I'm, I'm planning, uh, what I'm going to do next. I'm, uh, you know, designing uh, how things are going to look, and then I, and then eventually I have to execute on that to to build the product, and then I have to go out there and market the product and try to reach people with the product to to where they're gonna you know purchase it. So it's just it's it's it keeps things interesting. It allows you to be creative, and it really you're going through things in a cycle rather than just kind of being told this is your responsibilities and you're gonna do it over and over again and then you know eventually we're going to decide that you're competent enough to move up a level and i mean that's just that's how it is and and there's there's benefits to corporate jobs obviously but you know it just wasn't for me and i kind of realized that after a certain point and um you know i but i would definitely continue down the entrepreneurial path and you know whatever that may be so so do you think that's kind of been something that's always been destined for you do you feel like you've never really worked well under somebody, somebody else's rules and somebody else's <laughs> rule. Yeah, I mean, we, we go back, definitely. we my... worked a landscaping job together. Just like, I mean, <laughs> Nate was on the pod. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, yeah. if you want to tell that story. <laughs> yeah. I'm always right. I'm always, I'm always, I'm always smarter than everybody else. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, yeah. And I, I think as a personality, like you kind of have to, that's what I needed because you got to see that, you know, I'm far from always right. But the only way I was going to get there is to like make that jump into doing it myself and realize, you know, I've got tons of weaknesses. I've got tons of things that I'm not good at that other people can do much better than me. And then it becomes, you know, if you ever get to the point of scaling the business, it's just finding those people and then, you know, letting them do what they do best and, and obviously making sure they're putting out the right work product and everything like that. But yeah, I definitely, it's just, I think it's a personality thing of me thinking that, you know, I can do things on my own. I, I think probably my parents would tell you that my, my dad's a lifelong entrepreneur. My grandpa's a lifelong entrepreneur. So, I mean, I had some of that kind of experience growing up, um, too. And, um, you know, even if you look at my uncles on, on different sides of the family, they're doing their own thing. So I guess I've always kind of had that too in my background. Um, yeah. And I don't know if, which came first, the personality flaws or the, you know, <laughs> or the, or the family, but, uh, maybe a little both. So it's yeah. kind of in your blood. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Yeah. So, so do you want to go back and do you want to tell that story about when we were shoveling rock and eating prairie? Uh, do you remember? It's a little, remember it? I mean, kind of, yeah. We were 19 it was, years it old. Was, it was, it was his fault. I'm going to start there. <laughs> it was well, definitely his fault. Uh, I don't remember the whole story. <laughs> so what was going on? Paint us a picture. I, I don't really, um, well, you know, the boss, I guess we can say he was in a fog a lot, uh, those days, but he, uh, you know, he was, I think we were building a boulder wall or something and he was kind of below me and he was sort of perching the rock up, um, on the edge. And, and I was looking to backfill it, I think with a little bit of dirt 
and kind of chop it down. It was like clay type dirt. And, you know, he's sitting there, oh, you know, chop it faster, you know, whatever, just talking. And I'm, you know, chopping it, chopping it, putting it down. And then, you know, I guess I kind of clipped his hand uh, at, at some point and, you know, he let the, let the boulder go and then the boulder went tumbling down the hill and he got, you know, obviously he was pissed, but, which is understandable, but yeah, I don't know. He shouldn't have had his hand in the way. <laughs> but, uh, I, I now, know. It, I don't know. It's coming back it to me now. I don't know who said that. It was, but it was, uh, yeah. But he kind of started could, yelling about at when you. I quit that job too. That was another one. Right. That's what. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like you, you walked off site that day because he started yelling at you, and I mean, we were I, well, nineteen. I we were getting paid ten bucks an hour. It was after that too. I no, it was a couple days after that. It was that was like you know he he wasn't gonna let me go to the Twins game or something like that. I was gonna go with I don't remember who, but um, I had told him up front, and then you know he was like, oh no, we got to do the do the job, and I don't know, but he was. He was an interesting cat, that guy. He, I mean, he never paid us. He, right. He, he owed us owed us a big check at the end. But yeah. Long line of things kind yeah. of led up to that point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But that was funny because you got me that job. Yeah. And you drove me to work that day that you quit. <laughs> Did I leave? Did I leave you? <laughs> you hanging? left halfway through the day. I think it was like noon or one o'clock. <laughs> Sorry. So I had Sorry, to get a ride home with oh. the boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the whole ride home, I'm I'm getting his side of the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. And I think he he ended up asking you to come back. I think. Um. Uh, or saying that you're more than welcome to come back. I yeah. We might have patched things up, I guess, but he never paid us, or he never paid me at least. So. Yeah, that we did some side hustle kind of stuff for him. Yeah. The, when we built that. What was it? A fire pit at one of your neighbor's houses? Yeah. Right, and he kind of did that yeah. on his own. And yeah, and he was gonna pay us more or something for that. Well, he said, and then yeah. he never ended up paying. So I ended up seeing him at, I think it's Holiday or Super America, right off of Bass Lake Road, going yeah. on to four ninety four, right next to that BP. I think it's a Holiday. I saw him one morning on my way to work. And he's checking out, and I think he was getting some swishers or some whatever it was. Because <laughs> yeah, he used to right. roll up his own cigarettes or his own cigars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, he recognized me, obviously, and I recognized him. And I was like, oh, hey, what's up, Adam? And he offered to pay me. So he remembered. He remembered. He's like, hey, I don't exactly remember how much I owe you. Um, by this by this <laughs> time, you know, this is five years later. Yeah. Interest has occurred, you know? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So it's like, uh, but I said, no, don't pay me. Yeah. Obviously, I just, what's done is done. You know, you're still doing your thing, obviously. He had another, I could tell it was a high school or early college kid working for him again. And I was oh, like, yeah. I should tell this kid what he's getting into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because this guy is bad business. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, we had some good times with him. Right? Yeah. But yeah. I think that was why I bring that story up is because I think that was kind of like a point in your life where you kind of maybe, whether it was subconsciously or consciously, kind of had a realization to yourself where it was like, I should be working for myself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I shouldn't be getting told what to do by this guy who may not know as much as me, and I feel like this guy's just ordering me around all the time. Yeah, probably, yeah, I probably did have that same attitude. I, yeah. And... I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I guess it's kind of similar. I mean, it's just, it's a little different, you know, given, given it's a, it was a landscaping job, you know, it's a little different type of situation, but yeah, I see what you're saying. It's uh, that same, as far as what I was going to be kind of destined to do, I guess, or that I, that I at least had that mindset where I didn't, I always wanted to branch out on my own. Yeah. Well, and I know you always had ideas for the company too. Like even when we were in landscaping, like you would suggest things, but you would get shut down and it's like, yeah, I think all that stuff kind of ate away at you. Yeah, definitely. Like we should do this. We should do it this way. Cause it'll be more efficient, but yep. then he's the boss. So he's going to ax it right away. Cause he's going to do things his way. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, so, 
back to kind of graphical analytics. Um, I don't know how much you want to talk about it or what you kind of want to um, say about it, but um, you're kind of looking to hire an employee, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would hope to down the line. I mean, I, I've got a plan for how I'd like to scale it out. Um, and, you know, that includes um, people that are in design, um, you know, user interface, user experience designers, um, you know, programmers, um, sort of product managers um, that can program and kind of steer the direction of where the products are going. And then, you know, salespeople too, obviously, you know, software businesses, they say are really sales companies, um, especially as they start to, to scale. Um, it's all about how many people can you demo, how many of those people can you close, and then how much revenue can you bring in per account um, and obviously on something where you're targeting sort of very large companies, um, you know, it's got the potential to be pretty, pretty high. So yeah, I mean, I've got a definite plan to scale out a team, um, you know, and I'm just in that kind of stage of really developing the, the company. I've got, you know, the proof of concept products out there. Um, and I think there's a kind of unlimited am amount of the market, um, the insurance market that I could touch, but just... Um, you know, getting some capital behind that to be able to scale that team out is kind of exactly where I'm at right now. So, so we're going on about, we're about 50, 51 minutes in. Usually like to keep these right under an hour, right around an hour. Um, to leave the people with something, like any little nugget, any little piece of advice, any little thing you can, you know, tell people, any message you want to pass on, yeah, I mean, just going along with the theme of it, I mean, um, theme of what we've been talking about, I would just kind of reiterate, you know, find something. I mean, I think that people, like human beings, want to learn. You know, they want to be able to learn um, new skills. They want to be able to build stuff and, and put it out there. So just, I mean, I would just encourage people to always learn, you know, and, and even if your employer probably isn't telling you that that's what they want you to spend your time on. I mean, just for, for the simple self-fulfillment, just learn a new skill that allows you to build something and, and put it out there, you know? Um, could be a podcast, could be photography, could be anything, you know, learning baking, if you wanna start a baking company, you know, anything that you find interesting and just, um, you know, just take the time to learn that skill and, um, you know, know that you have, kind of the power to take back uh, as much of your time as you want to and put it towards something that you find more fulfilling. I would just encourage other people. I'm a lot happier having done that and I would encourage other people to, to do that as well, whether it's a big scale or small, so. That's a good message. I think that's Thank what people mentioned. want to hear. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think there are so many people out there who are kind of lost right now and we're at that age, you know, 20 to, anywhere up to 35, maybe even 40 years old, where people are working, and I said this earlier, but people are working for big corporations or any corporations, or they're working under someone and they have these ideas that aren't getting, you know, listened to by people above them. And they're, you know, maybe frustrated and thinking about starting their own thing. And it's, it's a scary thing. Yeah. You never know who's going to be behind you. Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, I think they're just the reality of it. It's not to be too cynical, but anytime you have a manager, you know, you're, you're totally in their hands. Like if you have an idea and you give them that idea, you know, they're going to kind of give you whatever credit that they're going to give you. And that's not, it's not in your own hands at that point. So it's, I mean, you might have a man, some people have great managers, I'm sure, and have great relationships with them that they would promote them and, and kind of support their ideas. But a lot of people probably don't, you know, that would. So just, um, I just think the best way is to just do it yourself, you know, and try it yourself in a small way or a big way. So, yeah, whether it's on the side or whether you drop everything and make it your full-time gig. Yeah. But it doesn't Absolutely. hurt to try. Doesn't hurt. Yeah. And you'll probably learn a lot about yourself and you know, you're probably not as good as what you thought you were. Um, and that's a good thing, you know, it just shows you where you can improve and, and where you need help from other people too. So. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot, Mitch. It's been a lot of fun. Good to talk to you. 
um, and appreciate the pod. I support the the new the new effort you got going here. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's cool, and I mean, even with me, even like this stuff, it's you know, it's not easy to just put yourself out there and record conversations that you're having that maybe even you know private conversations that you're having with friends and putting yourself out there is kind of a scary thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I've got a very gracious host here, Mitchell. And I <laughs> appreciate it. It's pretty easy to loosen up with my old friend and yeah, no, it's cool. You know, and it's just talking in person, hearing people's ideas and being able to, um, exchange them in that way. It's a cool, cool little platform you're setting up here. So. I appreciate it. And we'll, uh, we'll probably have you back on here at some point, I would think. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. There it is. Oh, not turning off. There it is. <laughs>